Have you ever helped a child understand the meaning of a Bible passage? Have you ever searched for a way to help someone understand kind of a big, complicated theological phrase like justification by faith? Or when you share the gospel with people, do you say the same things in the same way with someone who has a background in Christianity versus somebody who does not? Though you may not realize it, each one of those scenarios requires that you translate the Bible, that you speak the language of the hearer. You are a Bible translator. Maybe you've never thought of yourself that way. Dr. James Emery White has said this. He said, every generation must translate the gospel into its unique cultural context. And friends, you have a unique cultural context. So how are you doing at translating the gospel so others can understand the good news of Jesus and come to know him? Hey there, and welcome back to the Living Scent Podcast. This is episode number 17, and I am your host, Justin Wester. If you are brand new to the podcast, I release a new episode on the first Wednesday of each month to help you live scent each and every day. And if you are wondering what I mean by that, what it means to live scent, I'd encourage you right from the start to do a couple of things. First, Check out episode number one on this podcast titled, What is Living Scent? It's going to give you a broad understanding of what we discuss here each month. And second, if you'd like to go deeper into Living Scent, if you're a longtime listener, I'd encourage you to check out my newest book. It's called Living Scent, Discover How Everyday Habits Can Make an Eternal Difference. It's available online wherever books are sold. And I have a special offer to you, this podcast community today, and really all of this month. When you purchase a book from my website, that is justinwester.com, and you use the promo code LSP, that stands for Living Scent Podcast, LSP Summer you will enjoy a 40% discount making this book cheaper from my website than it is on Amazon. That's big, folks, so check it out. Hey, before we begin and get into new content today, I always like to say a huge thank you to those who are rating and reviewing this podcast. I cannot stress how encouraging this is to me, and I greatly, greatly appreciate your feedback. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And as a quick side note, if you have any suggestions about what you'd like me to cover on this podcast, just send me a quick note over at my website again, justinwester.com. Click on the Connect tab, and you can send it my way. I'd love to talk with you more about this content, You know how it's adding value to your life, and uh, what, you, what direction you'd like to see it go in next. Well, I want to begin our time with a quick story. You know, uh, after the pandemic ended, I decided to grab dinner one evening with a few high school students who were part of our church. And after we had our food and we all sat down at the restaurant, I began asking these guys, you know, typical questions that I would ask anyone over dinner. And I got what you would expect, you know, just short, direct answers. And so I tried again. You know, I asked them a couple more questions, digging a little deeper, but I got the exact same thing quick, short answers. And again and again, I tried over and over and over, and I genuinely was interested in what was going on in their life, but I just wasn't getting anywhere. And I started to get frustrated, and I just remember sitting back in my chair, taking a big bite of my food, chowing down, and just thinking, man, well, you know, this stinks. I came to connect with these guys, and and I'm not getting anywhere. It's It's like they're not even talking to me. And as I'm chowing down on my food, I noticed something. 
Every single one of these guys has their phone out, you know, at the table, right there with them. And they're sending each other images and they're passing their phones around. And I realized that they were connecting with each other. They're laughing. They're catching up with one another about their week, what had happened, where they had planned to, uh, where they made plans to go that weekend, everything else. But I wasn't. You know, they were sending each other memes. If you're not familiar with a meme, it's basically an image or a short video with text on it that's funny, where it kind of highlights a truth. Think of like a snapshot of culture. They were sending memes to one another. They were sending GIFs. Uh, GIF, G-I-F, stands for Graphics Interchange Format. These are short videos that are expressive in nature. They convey, you know, just emotion and action, and they're widely used to communicate nowadays. They're sending memes and GIFs to one another, and it hit me. I was speaking English but I was not speaking their language. And because I wasn't speaking their language, I was not connecting with them. If you can't speak the language of your cultural context, then what you say is not going to resonate with your listeners, no matter how important you may believe it to be. And the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul understood this well. You know, in the book of Acts, you see both Peter and Paul speaking in the language of their cultural context. They're not altering the content of the gospel, but they are communicating the gospel in a way so that their audience can understand it and relate to it. Take Acts chapter 2, for example. The apostle Peter stands up at a Jewish festival. He begins to speak to a large group of Jewish people. They were gathered in Jerusalem, and the talk about Jesus, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, it was still fresh. And so Peter understood all of this, and so he shares a ton of Bible passages. He reasons with his audience from the Scriptures. He connects the prophetic dots, if you will, of the Bible that help those people see Jesus as the Messiah. Now, Put a pin in that because we're going to contrast Peter's approach to Paul's approach in Acts 17. So remember, Acts 2, that's the Apostle Peter. He's in Jerusalem. Now we're going to Acts 17, and we're talking about the Apostle Paul, and he's somewhere different. Where is he? Paul is in Athens in Acts 17, and here the Scriptures say were the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. These were the Greeks And Paul becomes heartbroken over the sheer number of idols and temples he sees in the city. And he is asked to share about his beliefs on a prominent rise in the city called Mars Hill. And he does that. And you can read his words for yourself in Acts 17, verses 22 through 33. But here's what I find so interesting. As he shares God's truth with his listeners, he does so in a way that they would understand. So he finds connecting points with the culture. He references one of their places of worship, which was an altar to the quote-unquote unknown God. He even quotes their own philosophers and their own poets. He uses logic. And what is most surprising is that he never even mentions the name of Jesus. Please don't misunderstand me here. I'm not saying that you should never share scripture or never say the name Jesus, but what I am saying is that these two men knew their cultural context, and they were able to translate the gospel in such a way that connected with their listeners. It helped them understand the truths of God. And in both cases, God uses their words to draw more and more people to himself. In both cases, people trusted in Jesus. 
So here's what I know. Number one, I know that God wants to use you. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have already been sent by God into the world to join him on mission. He wants to use you with your unique personality, your unique placement and past experiences to reach others with the good news of Jesus. No, you are not Peter. No, you are not Paul, but you are you. And God has put his Holy Spirit inside of you and has promised to equip you, empower you, and encourage you every step of the way. So start living like it. I also know this. I also know the culture's changing. We talked about this in episode 15, but there are some cultural markers that tell us this. We are living in an increasingly post-Christian world, and as our culture changes, language changes along with it. We must become students of our culture so that we can speak the gospel to our culture. And lastly, I know, I know that I know that I know that you are called to share your faith. You know, some of the very last words that Jesus ever said to his disciples before he ascended to the Father were this. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Witnesses, witness. They speak, they testify, they share, they speak up, they talk with people about Jesus. So how can we be better at this? How can we get better at sharing the gospel in our cultural contexts? I want to share with you three ways you can translate the gospel in any culture. Three ways that you can translate the gospel in any culture. Here's the first one. Number one, look for gospel metaphors. Look for gospel metaphors. I recently started reading Don Richardson's book called Peace Child, and it's the true story of Don and Carol Richardson's call to live among and minister to the the Sawi people of New Guinea. And what was shocking to them after they arrived was that the Sawi culture honored treachery as a virtue. In fact, the the greater the treachery, the greater value they placed upon it. And this was not just simply treachery against one's enemies, but also it extended to people's friends and even sometimes their family as well. So imagine yourself in their shoes. You're given this opportunity to share with people who have never heard about Jesus. You're given the opportunity to share Jesus with them. And you get to the point in the story of Jesus where Judas betrays him with a kiss. He hands him over to the authorities. This culture would see what Judas did as an honorable thing. You know, something of legend to be told for generation and generation and generation. And that's exactly what happened with Don and Carol Richardson. As Don was sharing the story of Jesus, he realized that the Sawi people were praising Judas as the hero of the story, not Jesus. And so he and his wife were completely stumped by this. They had no clue how to communicate the gospel effectively until until they discovered a glimmer of hope in a gospel metaphor embedded within the Sawi culture. The only thing that was strong enough in the Sawi culture to break these blood feuds caused by acts of treachery was something called the peace child. If one man willingly gave up his child to another, you know, to another village, to an enemy, an unbreakable bond of peace was forged between those two parties. 
And within the Sawi culture, nothing was respected more than this bond brought about by the peace child. And this was the key that Don and Carol Richardson had been waiting for, praying for. It was the gospel metaphor that they used to communicate the peace that Jesus offered them through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. Don records how he used this gospel metaphor one night within the, with, with the prominent men of the village. He said this, he said, God wants men to find peace with him and with each other. He decided to choose once and for all a peace child, good enough and strong enough to establish peace, not just for a little while, but forever. And the problem was, whom should he choose? You know, for uh, from among all human children, there was no son good enough or strong enough to be the eternal peace child. So he gave his own son, Jesus Christ, God's beloved son, and he gave him away. And as Don continued to share, the Sawi men began to see that if, if Jesus was the peace child, then what Judas did to betray Jesus was terrible. It was, it was the worst thing anyone could do. And then they began to see themselves in the story, themselves included. They, to, to rebel against the peace child of God is the worst thing they could do in life as well. So Don and Carol were looking for gospel metaphors within their culture, and they found them. And they are all around us. And I'd argue that they exist in every single culture. So let me ask you this as we keep going here. What are the gospel metaphors in your cultural context? That's the first one. Look for gospel metaphors. Here's the second. Listen for the heart cry. Listen for the heart cry. Recently, I was listening to a podcast between Tim Keller and Carrie Newhoff. Now, Tim Keller actually passed away this year in May, uh, but this interview was released in July. And within the podcast, Tim shared about communicating the gospel in his cultural context, which was New York City. He was there for a number of years, and he said that he saw over the decades how the culture had shifted, and along with that, how the heart cry of the people had changed as well. And he kind of broke it down into three different categories. The first one, he said, was early on in his ministry when he would communicate to, say, his parents' generation. He noticed and was aware of the fact that they believed the point of life was to be a good person. And so he said this, he said, the way you would preach to that generation was to address their guilt. You know, the guilt that they felt for not living up to a moral standard. And he said, you'd say something like this, well, you're never going to overcome your guilt with moral effort. You can't do enough good deeds. You can't go to church enough. You can't read your Bible enough. And in this case, the heart cry of that generation was forgiveness. And so he said, you got to help them see how Jesus can offer them forgiveness. But he said when he arrived in New York City, the culture then was a little bit beyond the rest of the country. So he said, you can't preach the same way he had preached to his parents' generation to this new cultural context. He said it had to be different. He said for New York City, the point of life was not to be a good person. It was actually to discover your true self. He said that's why people would go there in the first place. You know, he said that people felt trapped by their environment. They felt trapped by their parents, by the expectations that people had placed upon them, and they wanted to discover their true self. So he said in this context, their heart cry was different. It wasn't forgiveness. In this context, their heart cry was freedom. 
They were searching for freedom. But listen to how he said he shared the gospel with them. He said, you think the meaning of life is to be free, but you're actually not as free as you think you are. You know, everyone lives for something. And if you've tried to escape your past to come live in New York to pursue being an actress or an actor or to make it on Wall Street, well, guess what? Now you have a new God. You've got a new master and you have to live up to that perfect body, those perfect expectations. Jesus Christ is the only master, if you get him, will satisfy you. And if you fail him, he will forgive you. But he goes on to say that it's changed once again. He was asked about today's generation. What what is he seeing in today's generation? And he said, well, it's slightly different even today. He said, the point of life is not to discover your true self. He said, the point of life is just to be true to yourself. You know, you've heard it said like this, to live your own truth. And really the heart cry of this generation is acceptance. Listen to how Tim shares the truth of the gospel based on the heart cry of this generation. He says, Christianity is the only identity that is received, not achieved. If you say, I can create myself, well, that's, that's a lot of pressure. But because of what Jesus did for you, he gave up his glory, his power, his privilege, and he came and died on a cross for you and paid the penalty for our inhumanity to God. And when you believe in Jesus, you can actually know that God loves you unconditionally forever. And what that means is, despite the ups and downs of your performance, God accepts you in Christ Jesus. Do you hear how the gospel is translated to each generation? We listen for the heart cry and then speak the truths of the gospel into their unique perspective, showing them how Jesus actually gives them the happy ending that they're looking for. So number one, you're looking for gospel metaphors. Number two, you're listening for the heart cry of the generation. And finally, number three, you're linking gospel cues to Jesus. You are linking gospel cues to Jesus. I've shared about this in another episode, how people's stories give us clues as to how they are answering the big questions of life. Like, how did I get here? Why are things the way they are? What can make life better? What will life be like when everything is made right? I share about these cues in episode nine. That episode's titled Listening Cues That Will Change Your Next Conversation. And just by way of reminder, there's four of them. It's beginnings, brokenness, betterment, and blessings. Beginnings, brokenness, betterment, and blessings. And what I'd like to do is to read a story to you. It's a real story from my book, Living Scent. And in this story, each of the cues is present. And I'd like you to listen and attempt to pick out beginnings, brokenness, betterment, and blessings found within the story. Here it goes. She mentioned that she was repeatedly put down and made to feel like she had to prove herself to be loved. If she stepped out of line or made a mistake, she was mistreated. Repeated name-calling and harsh punishment left her internally defeated, and she began to wonder if she was to blame for the brokenness in her life. At some point, she decided she had enough. She was tired of her life, and she was determined to work her way out of her situation. She was intellectually gifted. She was already receiving good grades in school, and so she devised a simple yet effective plan. Education would be her escape. With a little more focus, a little more effort, she would excel, and this new purpose began to emerge in her life. She gave her all to education, and education would ensure that she got into a good university, 
which would lead to her securing a good job and hopefully becoming financially independent along the way. She resolved to be nothing like and live nothing like her past. And so she accomplished her dreams and she landed her current job. The wealth she was experiencing was completely different than her past. And she hinted that she fully expected that it would bring her the peace, the security, and the happiness she so desperately craved. Did you hear it? Beginnings, brokenness, betterment, and blessings. Hearing those cues can help you link this person's story to Jesus. Maybe you could say something like this. You could say, well, it sounds like you're looking for peace and security, and there's nothing wrong with wanting those things, but looking to a job with a salary is not where it's ultimately found. There's always another challenge. There's always going to be another test. There's always going to be another obstacle to overcome. And you know, Jesus is the only one who can offer you true security. Because of his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, you can experience today the ultimate security of being a beloved child of God through faith in him. When you look for gospel metaphors, listen for the heart cry of the generation and link cues that people share to Jesus you can translate the gospel in your context. It takes becoming a student of your culture, seeking to understand it so that when you are given the opportunity, you can share the truth of God in a clear and compelling way. This is in part what Living Scent is all about. You know, if you're interested in getting the show notes from today's episode, just head over to my website at justinwestern.com Navigate to the podcast tab and you can download them right there for free to be used for continuing this conversation, perhaps with a team at work. Maybe it's a small group at your church or just with a few of your friends. However you'd like, these show notes are designed for you just to be a further resource as you live sent this week. And I'd love to hear from you this week as well, what you're seeing God do all around you, how you are getting to be a part of what he's doing. And remember, you don't have to live sent you get to. We'll see you next time.